Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Eagles, Chiefs, do you like it? Do you hate it? Are you into it? And more importantly, we're only 13 days out. Who you got? Eagles or Chiefs, I'm way into it. We're going to talk about that game today. We're going to talk about both title games. I'm kind of emotionally hungover, and I leave tomorrow for Las Vegas, which is the perfect place to go when you have a hangover. I'm going to be part of the newly imagined Pro Bowl events presented by Horizon, which is what I like to call them. I'm going to Vegas for like five nights. Terrible idea, right? I will be trying to do the basement remotely from there. We'll get into that. I don't know if Josh Allen is coming this week or next week. I don't know what his deal is. Josh is in Pebble Beach, or at least he will be playing this weekend. It was announced on the broadcast last night, not going to the Pro Bowl. But let's talk Chiefs, let's talk Bengals. I have your tweets screaming about officiating and everything's rigged and they make me laugh. The one NFL Super Bowl storyline that is already driving me crazy. I'm already sick of it and we're still 13 days out. It's all kinds of things. It's what I love, it's what I hate, and what's hilarious. Let's start the show. I love the championship games. Love those games. I don't care how weird the first one was or ugly or unfortunate. I love watching them. The stakes are so big. I love people on, online complaining about officiating, complaining about broadcasting. It really is great theater, isn't it? We all come together and there's only four teams left and two games and everyone just complains about everything. It's a fun day. It starts late in the day and you have to kind of wait for it. And by the time that three o'clock kickoff comes, you're just foaming at the mouth for football. And then two seconds into the game, Brock Purdy is injured and the game is over. <laughs> I guess I'll start with, with the NFC. What a weird game. You know, I went to a wedding when I was in my mid-20s. And it was one of these things where it was a college relationship and they got married. And we showed up. Uh, it was in California for the wedding. And everybody knew that... The wedding was not going to work out already. They just, they were already in the process of getting married and they weren't right. They were too young. And at the rehearsal dinner, the bride and groom got in this huge fight, like a screaming match where we could hear them in the other room. It's awkward as hell. And the grandparents are there and the parents. And then that was on Friday night. And we kind of think, well, I, I guess we just still have to, we're here. We all traveled here. We got our rented tuxedos, I guess we'd just go through with the wedding, and they did go through with the wedding, and they called it off like less than a year later and they got divorced. That was the NFC title game. <laughs> the fight at the rehearsal dinner was Hassan Reddick hitting Brock Purdy and just destroying his throwing arm in the first 12 seconds of the game. Might as well go through with the title game, we know it's not gonna work out. Um, but we have to play it. We did a lot of work to get here. There's a lot of people watching. It's just an unbelievable thing. It was, uh, Reddick hits him. And that's even, that was even after. Like, if you watch the game from start to finish, um, on the second snap of the game, Fred Warner for the Niners goes down and looks like he's in a lot of pain and he's kind of writhing and kicking. You're like, well, Warner's out. That's, that's their middle linebacker, probably their most indispensable defensive player, the number one defense, he's out. Now he came back, but it didn't feel like it. Then about a minute after that, they go to Devontae Smith, who makes a crazy catch, clearly, clearly, from his body language and reaction. He's almost in a panic when he gets up. 
to try to get everyone to run the play because he knows that he didn't catch the ball, which he didn't. I still don't understand why Kyle Shanahan doesn't challenge it. I don't understand. It's the first quarter. You're not saving him. This is not like, well, I don't know. I don't want to challenge this. I don't want to lose a timeout. It's the second half. Just challenge it. He made a crazy, crazy catch like he was jumping into a pool on YouTube and clearly got up and starts doing this thing. It's like, let's go, let's go. Just throw it. Just throw it out there. And if, you, if you're wrong on the challenge, who cares? At least you tried. That happens. Then Bosa gets nuked on the sideline. He was just standing there and it looked like he was hurt. So their two best defensive players get hurt. The coach blows the challenge moment. And that's not even counting the quarterback getting knocked out of the game. I mean, it was a terrible game, but it was bizarre theater. It was at the terrible wedding where you're like, these two are never going to work out, but we have to sit here for the next three hours and watch this Eagles Niners wedding. It's going to be a disaster. Then they're working on Brock Purdy and they're putting some sort of balm on him or something. I don't know what they were doing. Short of the Mr. Miyagi hands, that didn't work. And then you know what was even eerier? was when they stopped working on Brock Purdy and he was just standing there. No doctors, no trainers, no nothing. And you're like, well, if they're not working on him, he's done. He's not coming back in the game. So I guess we'll just go with this Josh Johnson. We can all have fun saying he's been on 75 different teams and that he was on the LA XFL team two years ago. No, he got knocked out too. So then we get into the farcical moment of the game because there was the quick point where McCaffrey scores this incredible heroic touchdown and it's 7-7. You're like, what if they can do this? What if they can do this with Josh Johnson? Are we really going to face the inevitable reality that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start the Super Bowl for the Niners? No. Then Josh Johnson dropped a basic snap, got crushed again, and the game was over. But then we get into the fun stuff where, all right, so Christian McCaffrey is switching helmets. This little running back is going to play quarterback and he has to get the call. What call does he need to get to McCaffrey when he's playing quarterback other than just take the shotgun snap, Christian, and just make some crap happen. That's the play call. Strong right, ISO, make some crap happen. And then I started wondering, what if McCaffrey gets knocked out of the game? Then who plays quarterback? So crazy. And yet, and it wasn't that Purdy got knocked out, and it wasn't that the Niners were sent into Bedlam with their quarterback, is that it happened so fast. It was the opening scene of the movie. Pfft, done. See you later. And then we're like, what are we supposed to do while well, we wait around for Bengals Chiefs and just watch the Eagles just beat the crap out of the Niners? I don't know, just tweet dumb memes and just be amused at this. And then they had McCaffrey pass once and the Eagles just ran all over them. And I, I don't blame the Eagles for winning easily or having an easy path. Of course they had an easy path. They had to beat Daniel Jones and they had to beat Josh Johnson, basically. But they beat the hell out of both of them. The Eagles are really good. So we finally get through all that. What was that like for you? It was just more like a, it was this stupid opening band it turned into. Just like a wacky experimental ska band that opened up for the main event, the, the headliner, which was Bengals Chiefs. So then that game starts in the AFC and I'm like, well, they're gonna set a record for most sacks in a playoff game. They're gonna sack Burrow 13 times in this game. Didn't it feel like that? They just couldn't block anything. And the whole Frank Clark thing and everybody in Kansas City, I'm like, they're going to sack him 13 times. It made me even look up what the record was for most sacks by a team in a playoff game. Do you know what it is? As Burroughs was going down over and over on that opening quarter, the, number of the record for number of sacks in a playoff game is nine. And it was set by the 2021 Tennessee Titans against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Remember that game last year in Tennessee? And the Bengals won... That's the record, nine sacks, all-time playoff record. Now, they did not break it last night because they kind of got their act together somewhat for the middle two quarters. 
Um, but then, you know, the Bengals make a run and they come back and I look at it this way. The, the Chiefs own the first half, more or less. The Bengals came alive in the third quarter and then the officials and Gene Steratore took over in the fourth. Have you ever heard a commentator say more in a game than Gene Steratore said in, the, at the, in that game, in the fourth quarter? And I mean, like, he said more than Nance and Romo and uh, Keith Jackson and any Brent Musburger, Al Michaels, Bob Costas, anybody you've ever heard call a game never did not speak as much as Gene Steratore in that game last night. And I actually, most of it was called for. What happened in that game with the officiating? This is not a case of, um, oh, they blew calls, or how do you miss that block in the back? There was that too. But it was all just like, wasn't how do you miss that call? The question is, what the hell is going on? That was the question. The, the third down stuff was insane. The third down that they had, and the Chiefs don't get it, and you're like, wow, we made a miracle. We stopped Mahomes. He somehow didn't throw it to Kelsey for a gain of 10 yards on third and nine. The Chiefs offense comes off the field and then Romo's going, I don't know, Jim. I, I, I think they're saying they're going to go for it. And it's like, no, they're not going for it on fourth. They're coming back out to do third down again and then again. And there's these shots of Zach Taylor, who's apoplectic. Like, I wasn't apoplectic on the couch at home. I was just, I was perplexed. I didn't know what was going on. And then they get into that stuff where the official is talking. Anytime the official starts talking to the timekeeper, and he's saying, the game clock this, and the play clock this, and you know, they start pushing up like this. They start doing that raise the roof thing that means to start on my signal. Oh my gosh. If we're doing the two different clock delineations, the on my signal, never mind just calling holding penalties and linemen downfield and the normal stuff they have to be confused by. We have two clocks, three third downs, the microphone is giving out. The battery started to go on that thing, I think, because they used it so much. The home crowd is out of control, but they're kind of happy because it seems like the Chiefs are getting the break. The Bengals' sideline's going nuts. It was just bedlam. <laughs> it was chaos. And I just remember thinking when they gave the Chiefs that next third down, I'm like, please don't throw a long 60-yard touchdown pass on this bonus down to Marquez Valdez-Scantley because then we're going to have hell on earth, zombie apocalypse of officiating. I don't think we have that. We just have a lot of uh, frustration. And then it doesn't help that the game was really decided on a penalty. But let me speak on that. Joseph Osai. That penalty they called on him was the right call. You, you can say that the game was dictated by officials or the game was rigged. Say whatever you want. What I say is the biggest call of the game was the right call at the right time. I don't think that was wrong. I don't think it was gratuitous. I also don't think that you could swallow the whistle and just let them play. It was too blatant. Mahomes went down too hard right in front of them on the sideline. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, you, you couldn't stand there and not call that. Because then what happens if you don't call it and the Chiefs field goal attempt is a couple yards short? How do you not call rough the pass? He roughed the passer. He hit him late, late hit out of bounds. Go whatever you want to call it. I, you can have all the beef you want with the officiating this morning and we'll get into it in a little bit. That, that should have been a penalty. And it was a rough, rough penalty. That is, guys, that is the very definition of infamous. And I'm a human being, so I look at Joseph Osai on the sideline crying and being all upset like that and my heart goes out to him but I'm not crying a river for him. He's a professional. He's not a rookie. 
He understands how to play the game. There's 21 other guys out there and they knew the context, they knew the play. He ran after him, he was probably frustrated, he was emotional, and he hit him late. He shouldn't have done that. Gave him 15 yards, Harrison Bucker, see you later. That was a, that was a terrible play, terrible. That That's one of those things where we'll do the roundup. Worst penalties in playoff history and they do some off-season special, that one will be on there. It was rough, really rough. I found myself thinking of Chris Webber calling the timeout against North Carolina. A little different because it wasn't like a physical play that he made. It was more of a full mental breakdown. But the timing to do that, the game situation, and the kind of losing yourself and what to do and not do, it was one of those. And I'm not relishing it. I'm not rubbing it in. But listen, that's a paid guy. He's getting a game check for that. You got to know better than that. I think it was that. And then I think there was two drives the Bengals had in the second half that cost them. If you're looking for something to be frustrated about Bengals fans other than the officiating, look at those two drives. Evan Washburn is on CBS doing the sideline report. He comes on the broadcast and says, you know, Joe Burrow, very out of character. He was up and screaming and motivating his linemen. Normally he sits there very stoic and to himself, which is true. That was a great report. Look at him. He's saying, we basically got two drives left in this game. We can take it. Let's use these next two possessions and let's go to the Super Bowl. Those next two possessions were 12 plays, one interception, one punt. They did nothing. They didn't work. They, they gave up more sacks. They couldn't score. They couldn't do anything. Joe Burrow in Burrow head against the crowd. They didn't get it done. They didn't get it done. The fishing was really weird. The football was not good enough for the Bengals. They were the inferior team for three of the four quarters. The Chiefs were better yesterday. I thought the Bengals were winning the game. Chiefs had different ideas. The fishing was bizarre. The Chiefs were better. Love those games. Such a great day in the calendar year, those title gamers. Let's get into what I hate though. Come on. Jason and Travis Kelsey are brothers. And they come from the same parents. They had the same genetics, DNA. They were raised together. They both play professional football. They both play for the NFL and their two teams will play each other in the Super Bowl. Can you believe that? Can you wrap your mind around that? They're brothers, not even half brothers, full brothers. And they will be on opposing teams for the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's the sound of my skull exploding. What are the chances? I can't go there with this, guys. I'm going to try as much as I can not to sound like a total grump. But uh, if, if you're like me and you've experienced many Super Bowls and consumed the media for many, many Super Bowls, you understand that there is a very specific thread of media story that is beaten to a disgusting, bloody pulp by the time kickoff starts. And you get so sick of it, and it may be a nice story, it may be a constructive story, it may be optimistic, it may be heartwarming, fine. You just get so tired of it. I love Travis Kelsey. Hall of Fame tight end, incredible personality, great player. I love Jason Kelsey. I think he'll be in the Hall of Fame too. Incredible personality, great player, great family, everything about him. I don't really care that their brother is playing in the Super Bowl. I don't. And I, I don't like the obsession with it. We can take a moment now on Monday after the title game to say, wow, that's kind of cool. And their parents must be very proud and that's interesting. And what are the odds that two kids growing up under the same roof would be playing in this biggest game ever? But that's pretty much it. I don't, we don't need to go any further with it. There are many more stories in this Super Bowl that are more interesting to me. The two of the players happen to be brothers. I would be far more interested if those brothers were on opposite sides of the ball. Now that's good. That's great theater. If Jason Kelsey, the center, 
for the Eagles was going up against defensive tackle Travis Kelsey for the Chiefs. And you can watch them slam into each other in primal combat snap after snap. That is great theater. Or if Travis Kelsey, the tight end, was going against, let's say, Jason Kelsey, the safety for the Eagles, and he's got to pop his brother, or he's got to go up and moss his brother, all that kind of stuff. Those guys will not be within 50 feet of each other until after the game. There's no combat. There's no direct competition. One of them stands on the sideline while the other works, and then they trade places. I'm not interested in that. It's, I, these are also not new players to the league. We are not saying, wow, let's learn more about these Kelseys. The Kelseys have been stars and superstars in the league for years. They've told all the stories. We've heard them all. I could tell you the story almost verbatim about Jason and, Kel Jason and Travis's first fight, and it happened in the kitchen, and their dad tried to break it up, and then he got squashed. They've talked about the first time one of them beat the other one in basketball in the driveway. They've done these really charming, entertaining interviews for years. They do a bleeping podcast together in which they go back and forth as brothers and talk about their upbringing and their seasons and their teammates. It's all been out there. So, yes, they've played, they're playing against each other in the Super Bowl. What is the story? There's so many more stories. Because I, I come from the past where uh, Jim and John Harbaugh were brothers coaching against each other. And it was not the Super Bowl. It was the Harbaugh for weeks. And it, was just, it just becomes kind of annoying. It does. You want to go back further? When the Steelers were going up against the Seahawks. Well, venerable Steelers running back and one of my favorite NFL players of all time, Jerome Bettis, happened to be from Detroit, Michigan. The Super Bowl was being played in Detroit, Michigan. All you ever heard was, Jerome Bettis is from Detroit. Never mind that he never played a snap for the Lions. He didn't play his college football in Michigan. The world was wrapped up the idea that Jerome Bettis was from Detroit in high school where no one saw him or was aware of him until he got to college but you couldn't go five seconds with someone on the radio or ESPN or whatever it may be saying and look at this what a story Jerome Bettis returns to his home city of Detroit 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 it was everywhere and so now it's this inevitable thing and you know we never got Peyton versus Eli in the Super Bowl and we got you know the McCordy brothers were safeties they were on the same team that was kind of cool and we've never got a Watt versus Watt Super Bowl or Barber versus Barber. They're like, this is the one. The low-hanging fruit to pick about their brothers. Let's throw a celebration for their brothers. Do you know how many more stories in this Super Bowl are more interesting than the fact that there are two brothers playing who will not be on the field at the same time? Innumerable Super Bowl storylines that are better than the Kelsey's. The Kelsey's who I love. I just don't want to hear about their brothers the next two weeks. Um, we could just start rattling off. Chiefs dynasty. Is this the dynasty? Does this constitute a dynasty? Do they have to win a Super Bowl to make it a dynasty? Does Mahomes need to win this for his legacy? Does Travis Kelsey need to win it for his legacy? Patrick Mahomes' ankle. How healthy is it? Are we back 100%? Will he be by the time the game is played? Uh, it's the first time two black quarterbacks are starting in a Super Bowl. I'm old enough to remember the first time a black quarterback started in a Super Bowl. Doug Williams, first one to start, first one to win. Is Jalen Hurts one of the all-time elites now? Is he in part of the crew? Is it Mahomes and... Allen and Burrow and Rodgers and Brady and Jalen Hurts. Does he play his way into it? Um, could he join Joe Montana and, jo and, and, and Joe Namath as guys who won the national championship and the Super Bowl? Andy Reid going back to Philadelphia. That one's a little tedious too, but I'd like that more. We can get into that. His history, the breakup, what was it really like? What are his feelings about him? Is his legacy, Andy Reid, one of the great coaches of all time? He's going to go for a Super Bowl win 
a second one that puts you in a whole different club. He's taking two different teams there. We know these, all these stories. Reed's legacy is one of the greatest ever. Did Howie Roseman build the perfect team? Is he the GM of this generation? Eagles defense is one of the best in NFL history. Uh, Eagles being Eagles fans being Eagles fans, doing all their extra. I'd rather hear about all of this. I can keep going and going and going. Will Chiefsaholic, the uh, alleged bank robber Chiefs fan, be able to post bail? According to the New York Times, he's unable to pay the $200,000 bail to get out of a Tulsa jail, but he has $5,000 bets on both Mahomes to win MVP and Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, which would pay out $100,000. So maybe he gets that. We can talk about Chiefsaholic all day before we talk about. Yeah, they're brothers, and one of them has a beard and one doesn't. It, it's crazy. They're brothers. I just don't want to do it. Do you feel that way? Do you want to hear more for the next two weeks about, here's the picture of them in high school, here's the picture of them at Cincinnati. You know, he was the, he was the one who ate more at dinner, but he was the one who the girls liked more, and, you know, they used to fight over... I don't know. I mean, maybe it's this time of year, and I'm jaded, and I've been through a long season... It doesn't do much for me. How do you feel? Let's bring up some social response. Do you want to hear about how the Kelseys are brothers for the next two weeks? Tim says, Kyle Brandt's acting like he lost money on the Chiefs. What's up with the Kelsey bros hate? I don't hate the Kelsey brothers. I love them. They're awesome. They're everything we want in NFL stars. I don't want to look at my phone or television screen for the next 13 days and hear that they're brothers. I know they're brothers. We've all known that for years. Next, let's go through them. What else? Rick Corey says, I'm with Kyle on the Kelsey Bowl. Who cares? I care about the guys. I don't care that they're brothers. Don't care. It's fine. It's cute. EJ says, I'm with Kyle. The Kelsey brothers are brothers. Moving on. That's well said, EJ. They're brothers. What's next in the conversation? Jim Cole says, Kelsey's all day every day. Tell Kyle Brady he just needs to work a little harder and find an original story about them. It's not my job to find an original story about them. There's tons of them. They've just been told. Who am I, Tom Rinaldi? I, I hope they can find them. I hope there's new stuff about the Kelseys. Nicole says, sorry, Kyle, but personally, I absolutely want to hear everything possible about the Kelsey Bowl, especially hearing from Miss Donna. It doesn't need to dominate the conversation, but shouldn't be ignored completely. Donna is their mother. She wears a half and half jersey. She travels to the games. It's a very sweet story that we have heard for a couple of years. You need to hear that more? I love you, Donna. I hope you have the time of your life. You did an incredible thing. You birthed two sons who were in the Super Bowl against each other. I, I feel like I won the lottery if my son hits a single in Little League. I, I, I envy you. But, like, there's a lot of football going on. Anything else? Is that it? My gosh. Um, Donry Fedor. Donry, Donry Fedor. I'm with you on the Kelsey Brothers angle. Overdone. So much. I am aware they are brothers. They play in the NFL. Give me something else. That's my man. That's my man. Donry Fedor. Donry, I love you. Um, that's it. I know it's too much, and I feel like I'm yelling at a cloud, and you're like, geez, take it easy. I don't know. You consume a lot of media. You're really close to the NFL. You become very selective and very particular about what stories are covered and what stories are overcovered and what stories are just a little bit corny and a little bit of an eye roller. If the story is that easy and has already been told so many times, maybe there's another one. I love the Kelseys, Donna included. Let's talk about the game and the players. It's interesting. Let's get to what's hilarious, too. Speaking of the Kelsies. All right, so imagine you are the mayor of Cincinnati. You, uh, you did, you've done well for yourself. You are a major American city mayor. You got elected. You, uh, 
apparently a very charismatic guy, you're 40 years old, Aftab Purival. I hope I'm saying his name properly. Aftab Purival is the mayor of Cincinnati and jumps out before a huge day for his city and doesn't do the usual mayoral trash talk about, tell you what, Kansas City, you win, you have to eat some Skyline Chili, and we win, we'll eat your ribs, which is very played out. Give him that, at least he went original. I probably wouldn't have said yes if I was one of his staffers when he bounced it off me that I'm gonna say, we should paternity test Patrick Holmes to make sure we can prove that Joe Burrow is his father. Let's put the internet. It's just a lot. It's, it's a really aggressive thing to do, which is sort of funny, but Mahomes is such like an innocent target too. He's just a good guy who plays hard and is very respectful to everyone. So to just show up and be like, oh, Patrick Mahomes, we own you. As an elected official, it's probably a lot. Um, Kelsey didn't like it. We're talking about uh, Travis Kelsey, who I don't know if you know this, is Jason's brother. They both play in the NFL and they're playing in the Super Bowl. So on the podium afterwards, and Kelsey was just on one. Kelsey resembled like this fun shirtless drunk guy in a spring break video, like in a Girls Gone Wild video. It's, it felt like that. And on the stage, he's saying on CBS, and, he's, and I, we can't put the clip, but I have it for you. I got some wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni. It's great. It's excellent. I think it's completely accurate. There was not an ounce of fat on that quote. There was not a wasted syllable. And certainly none of the three syllables were wasted on the word jabroni. It was funny to have on CBS, the standard, the Tiffany Network, and hear the word jabroni. And I remember when he said it, I was like, where are we at with jabroni as a word? Is that, I'm like, is that a slur? The only people I can think of who I've ever in my life, certainly on camera, said the word jabroni was the Iron Sheik, the old wrestler, and then The Rock used to do it all the time. So, but a lot of things that happen in those eras of wrestling you can't do anymore. So, and then I immediately got a little worried that like Travis Kelsey, you have to apologize, and then I'm saying it now, so I'm worried I'm gonna have to apologize. Guys, we did some research on jabroni. I think we're clear. <laughs> I think we're safe. I think it's just, I don't, I don't think it's a slur. I, I don't think it's cancelable. I think it's just a thing that has roots in uh, some old fashioned type of vernacular and then also pro wrestling. So it was trending after he said it. It was jabroni, G-A-B-R-O-N-I. What does that word mean? I'm glad you asked. So the deep definition is it's a foolish or contemptible person. That's just a stupid person. Early 20th century, Going going early 1900s, probably an alteration of the Italian dialect, giabone, which I don't know how to say, which means a self-important fool. That word also apparently means ham. I'm just giving you the facts and the research we found. The word was used moderately in the early 1800s, jabroni, and then it just kind of went away for almost 200 years. From about 1819 to like the late 1990s. The late 1990s, which of course brought us the Attitude Era, and it became an alteration for the word jobber, which jobber, if you know wrestling, is a very frequent sort of building block wrestling term, which just means like a, a nothing man, like someone who's in there to just get smashed and get out of the ring. A jobber, a jobber, a jabroni. Um, the Iron Sheik, who himself, I, I don't, I don't even wanna go down that with the Iron Sheik, the Iron Sheik used it constantly backstage. He used to say it in his stand-ups. If you follow the Iron Sheik sort of farcical Twitter profile right now, he's constantly tweeting that word. 
And then so The Rock used to be backstage, if you know anything about The Rock's history. Dwayne Johnson used to be backstage at wrestling events as a kid with his dad and everything, and he would hear the Sheik say it, jabroni, 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 and he decided to begin using it on camera when he blew up as a wrestler, um, so he would say jabroni. The word has also been used on camera by Scott Hall, legend. Apparently Hulk Hogan said it, I don't remember, and then Steve Austin has said jabroni too before The Rock made it popular, and then the word was officially put in the dictionary in 2020, a few years ago. So it's not some terrible word. It's somehow not something that is going to get everybody fired or fined. It's in the dictionary. It's just a brony. It feels like a sort of based in Italian way to say like a dumbass. But that's what he said. And I, I, uh, I'm going to try to use it more in, in my own vernacular um, to jabroni. I don't know if I can pull it off. I always just feel like I'm a rock impressionist and I should be raising my eyebrow when I say it. But now I think Travis Kelsey has become the jabroni guy. Because I can only think of, he's the only professional wrestler I can think who's ever said it. I'm trying to think if there's been like a politician who said it. Like has Trump said jabroni? Probably not. Has uh, the mayor of Cincinnati, maybe he'll say it now. I'm trying to think like people who would say jabroni. Maybe, like has there ever been a sitcom character who said it? I don't know. It's only professional wrestlers and Travis Kelsey. And now it might become that thing that maybe he'll say it in his Super Bowl speech because people are kind of expecting him from it. So that's your jabroni daily news. I find it to be a hilarious word. I find it to be a sweet relief that it is not considered offensive, at least not yet. It's in the dictionary a few years ago. Can't be, right? Jabroni, guys. Started in the early 19th century. If you're busting chops on your text thread or with your friends today in the cubicle or the break room, Call him a jabroni. Apparently it can't get you fired. I just said it a thousand times on this segment, and that's pretty hilarious. Thank you, Travis Kelsey, and thank you to Travis Kelsey's brother, Jason Kelsey, who's also in the NFL, and they're playing each other in the Super Bowl. Let's get, though, to, uh, why the heck, a couple of uh, fun-loving jabronis in what we call Takes on Takes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I feel like uh, this is, this is, we've all been leading up to this all season long. Before we get to the post-Super Bowl takes, we have the post-title game takes. And as usual, I have numbers right here. They got the logo for the show and everything on there. And um, we have two people come in, they give their take, and then I rate them based on delivery, creativity, and heat. And the hotter, the, the better delivery, and the more creative, the higher the score. First combatant today, Ryan Clark on ESPN's Get Up. 
Ryan Clark has been in the segment twice. He has not won. He's 0-2, and his average is only a 4.5. That's too bad. I like Ryan Clark. Let's see if we can get that score up right now. He comes in with a take, praising the Chiefs. Ah, this sounds spicy. Praising the Chiefs for not talking as much as the Bengals did. Let's see how it goes. And when you look at what the Kansas City Chiefs did, they went out and played football. They didn't care about getting their mayor to speak. They didn't care about renaming a stadium. They focused on getting Patrick Mahomes healthy and finding ways to get Chris Jones in one-on-one -on -one so he can be an absolute butt kicker. And that's why you win the game. But here's what happens. Yeah. When you do all that stupidity during the week and when you have all this fun, you set yourself up for this. You set yourself up for Joseph Asai crying on the sideline. And ain't no Kansas City Chief finna run over there and tell him it's all right yeah. it's like coach Tomlin used to always tell me nobody cares about your problems <laughs> right most people happy that you got them <laughs> and right now the Kansas City Chiefs are extremely happy that Joe Burrow and Eli Apple and that jabroni of a mayor and all of those people in Cincinnati who were sitting at home going <laughs> like we won the last three we got Joe Burrow he's like Jon Snow it doesn't matter if you have a dragon he will kill your queen in front of the dragon and the dragon will forget that it's a dragon <laughs> and still, they win. The Kansas City Chiefs show professionalism, though, and execution is what gets you the Super Bowl. Not great bulletin board material. Oh, this is awesome. That was really good. And I like it as he sat next to Rex Ryan, who, like, talked all kinds of crap. <laughs> His introductory press conference as a Jets head coach. I didn't come here to kiss Belichick's rings. And Ryan Clark's going about, they didn't talk this. And Rex is going, uh -huh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I lot, lot to like there. I like the energy. Um, he talked about butt kicker. He talked about stupidity. He talked about no Chiefs going to run over to Joseph Osai. He quoted Mike Tomlin, nobody cares about your problems. Most people are glad that you got them. And then in a very pleasant twist that I did not anticipate coming, we went into a, an apt Game of Thrones comparison and like an original one. He said that Jon Snow will go ahead and kill Khaleesi right in front of the dragon and the dragon will forget that it's a dragon. That was good. I think I underestimated Ryan Clark there. I think of him as like talk ball. I'm, I'm very, very, very aggressive, serious, well thought out takes, but I didn't think we were going to the Seven Kingdoms. I felt like he kept that in his back pocket. That was good. How good? That's an eight. I maybe even should give it a nine. That was really good. I found my, you know what? Screw it. It's my show. I can do whatever the hell I want. Where is my nine? Wait, wait, wait. This might even be an upside down six, but I don't care. Nine. I liked it. It was an eight. And then I, I the, the Game of Thrones comparison, I don't care if Game of Thrones has been off the air for a few years. It landed for me. It wasn't the same old thing. I liked it. I enjoyed it. That was a nine, Ryan Clark. Good take. Creative. Really good delivery. And, you know, the heat was there, too. I liked it. It was perfect. That was really good. Bad news, though, for his combatant, uh, opposing combatant. Oh, man. Guess who's coming in? Playmaker. Michael Irvin, who is going to make his 12th appearance in Takes on Takes. And check this out. In 11 prior appearances, he's 9-2. Mike wins. Mike wins with an average score of 7.1. He needs a 9 to tie and a perfect 10 to win, which means this has to be the best... Most creative, hottest, most well-delivered take we've ever done in the segment. Michael Irvin on ESPN's first take with praise for Patrick Mahomes. Let's go, Mike. This ain't got nothing to do with Cincinnati, even with that penalty, giving this game away. Y'all, this got everything to do with that man raising his hands up 
and saying, I am he. All y'all kept trying to make somebody else me. That's what Patrick Mahomes is saying. Dan, you know I love you, Dan. Hold you know, on. Richard, I love you, Dan. But last week when we sat right here, y'all, we were right in here when Dan said, Boy, I'm looking at well, I'm look I'm looking at Joe Burrow. And what and I, I said. think he's the best quarterback in the National Football League. Right. That's what you say. I think he's the best quarterback in the National Football League. And you started that little heat thing rolling downhill. And then the the the, 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 the politician they gonna jump in and call it Barrowhead and all of that. You put this man legacy right on display, and this man said, No, 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 no. I am he on one leg. On one leg. Hey, if Patrick Mahomes was totally healthy and he had Tyreek Hill, he was at full strength and he won that game and, and, and Joe Burner made all those mistakes, I said, maybe, maybe, okay, maybe they blew it. But Patrick Mahomes did it without Tyreek Hill and on one leg after all of y'all had said that he's not the best in the league. You saw every one of his teammates come up and say, we got your back. Yes, you are the best in the league. Mm. So much going on on first take. They got a countdown clock, days, hours, minutes until the Super Bowl. They should have a separate countdown clock, days, hours, minutes until Molly Karam gets a vacation. <laughs> That's what they should have. Molly, you deserve it. Uh, Michael B. Jordan's coming on the show next. They got his picture up there. Uh, Mike Francesa's coming on the show. And meanwhile, Michael Irvin's just going. And I like that he called out Dan Orlovsky. It's great. That's good TV. Call him out. He's sitting right there. You know what he said last week? It was good. He's standing on one leg. I have so much to say about Michael Irvin. My cohort, Peter Strager, was on the same flight as Michael Irvin <laughs> coming back. And he said that Irvin on a plane is just constantly like, look at this game. Like While the game's going, just talking. What do you think? What happened? Like he, Full animation, talking to everybody, chiming in about the game. Um, he drew a juggernaut today, though. I'm going to give him a six. I like that he called him out. I like that he had the energy. I like that it was a positive defense of Patrick Mahomes. He made some good points about doing it on one leg. And Tyree Kill was mentioned in there somewhere. It wasn't the most intelligible I've been part of with Irv, which is usually stuff is usually great. But the fact is that he came up against... This was a, a six losing to uh, a nine. Gronkowski would love the score here. That is the winner. Ryan Clark beats his ESPN colleague with one of our highest scores ever. Ryan Clark... You can kill the Dragon Queen in front of the dragon, and the dragon will forget that it's a dragon. You had me. I loved it. Ryan Clark, you get the victory. Congratulations. We all get a victory when Michael Flynn comes into our life and his fancy Yeti mic. Let's do brand awareness. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There he is, Michael Flynn from the kitchen with his cool mic. Flynn, uh, you are sort of a sommelier of Takes on Takes. What did you think of that episode? I am. You know, after the uh, championship games, you expect the heavy hitters. Like you go to Stephen mm -hmm. A. Smith first, you yeah. go to Michael Irvin first, and we saw Irv. But then you look at other ones, and I pulled up the Ryan Clark one, wasn't expecting anything. Honestly, was looking more for Rex sitting right next to him or yeah. Orlowski. And then 
boom, he's got the Tomlin quote. Oh, that's great. You've got Jabroni. Oh, perfect. It's Tomlin. And then the Game of Thrones reference was great. It made complete sense. I loved it. I'm glad you did too. I did. I, I think I, I think it was missing just one like laugh out loud moment from being a 10. It was almost the perfect sort of stew that he made there. But a nine is obviously really impressive. Happy for Ryan Clark. Um, and we'll, maybe we'll have more of him. Maybe during the next couple of weeks, we do more takes on takes with, with Ryan Clark. What are we doing for Brant Awareness? What's in the headlines we haven't talked about yet? Let's get into it and something we talked a little bit about. Let's start with the officiating. Far from perfect in both games yesterday, but came to a head after the third and nine debacles in the AFC Championship game. Our guy, Sports Illustrated's Jimmy Trena, who you'll yeah. remember submitted an age-like fine wine take of refs will blow a big call in a critical situation. Yeah. He pointed out that hashtag NFL rigged was trending. We're going to have a few more tweets here, Kyle. I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, people love to say this. Let's get through them. All right, so Jimmy Jimmy was on fire yesterday. Quinn Douglas, these are people tweeting. That was some Tim Donaghy-level bull bleep. PJ Green, this is pure tomfoolery. They're just going. They got all kinds of takes. Here's a little joke about a picture of Goodell on the phone saying, I don't care if the Chiefs punt team is already in the field. Just say you blew the third down play dead and throw a flag if they don't convert on the next play. <laughs> Come on, next. People are just out. Referee radio is undefeated. Dovey Kleiman, who I hope his name is, I'm saying his name right. You and I have talked about this before, though. I, I, I'm trying to struggle with how to say your name, and I want to get it right. The Chiefs got two third downs, got stopped twice, and the ref still called another penalty to take it away. The league must really hate Cincinnati, but come on. You're rigging NFL games now in front of everyone? Next. Oh, man. Rig, rig, rig. There's DiCaprio from Django having a laugh in a referee costume, throwing a flag, saying, when your team has too small of a national market, hashtag NFL rigged. There's a stepbrothers poster with Kelsey and Kelsey as brothers, and the poster says, first pair of brothers to face off in the Super Bowl, okay? CBS Sports, who I work for. The tweet says, for those of you saying NFL rigged, it's about money, nothing else. The NFL has not been deemed a sport for a long time. It's considered entertainment. Refs did what they were told. Proof, this poster was posted on Facebook before the trophy presentation. They called it the Brother Bowl. Well, that should settle that. You found something on Facebook and I guess there's a whole inside job. I, I, this next tweet, I didn't have a team left the NFL playoffs yesterday. Would have to agree as a neutral fan, absolutely worse than the cheating game I've seen. So bad for the first time, I have to question the legitimacy in the NFL and Roger Goodell. Is the NFL rigged? Thinking face emoji, there's more. There's more. It's still going. J.R. Christian, you know it's bad when you see Steelers fans saying the Bengals weren't given a fair shake by the refs. NFL rigged. NFL rigged, J.R. Christian. Here's another meme of the official referee last night, and it said, the Chiefs' best player right now. <laughs> Nailed it, Natalie Hastings. And how about this? Danny Woodhead, the old player. I love Danny. It's not Burrowhead. It's referee head. I, Danny, I respect it coming from you. You have a head in your last name. That's Woodhead making a not Burrowhead referee head joke. Love you, Danny. Next, Albert Breer. Is he Albert Breer, the journalist? If I was Zach Taylor, I'd throw my headset at the ref. <laughs> Zach Taylor did show some restraint. That was insane. Uh, do you guys just like... If you just like saying NFL rigged and saying it's rigged, it's rigged, it's pro wrestling and that's satisfying for you or maybe some sort of um, venting port for you to get the frustration out, fine. Do you really believe it? 
do you honestly think that there's meetings and transmissions or communications in which the officials are told to make sure this team wins? I don't. And I, I yes, I work for the NFL, but I've never been told to say anything or not say anything. I'm not pushed anyway. I promise you, I'm shooting you straight. I don't think anything is rigged. The Tim Donaghy thing was a massive real deal where the guy was changing outcomes of games. I do not think the NFL officials are doing that at all. I think that's a very difficult job and they get people who maybe aren't the best in the world doing it and they make huge mistakes and sometimes it gets really, really weird. The third and nine thing was weird and I think it was, I think the officials lost control and there was a lot of uh, crowd noise and there was confusion with the clocks and they were a little lost and they weren't on the same page and the coaches were yelling and they got flustered and lost control of the game and tried to get it back in a very sloppy, strange way that didn't help and they finally threw a penalty on the third try. Um, I don't buy any of the stuff about Cincinnati is not a big enough market. <laughs> Come on. Do you think that Kansas City is a huge market? It's not. They already have, even if I were to go down that road with you, they got Philadelphia in, massive. Who cares if it's Cincinnati or, 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 or Kansas City? Do you know that Cincinnati was in the Super Bowl last year, right? You know they had 99 million people watch it, which was more than watched Tampa Bay, Kansas City the year before? Understand what I just said there. If you feel like they tried to keep Cincinnati out of the playoff, I'll, out of the Super Bowl, I'll indulge you. But the fact is, Cincinnati being in the Super Bowl last year, Bengals, Rams, had more viewers, more money, than Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes the year before. Okay, so, no. It wasn't as if they were trying to keep Cincinnati out so Dallas could get in if Dallas was an AFC team or some New York team or some California team. No, come on with that. People, when the refereeing always comes up in any season, even if it's not crazy at the end of the season, because people are pissed off their season is over and they're looking for someone to blame. And it's a lot easier to blame the guys in the striped shirts who are older than to blame the guys in your team's favorite uniform. And last night was weird. It was very strange and sloppy. Very. I you can I can I would agree with you. The officiating wasn't good. It was bad. I don't. The inside job though was ridiculous. It would be it would come out. It would be exposed. It'd be the biggest story of all time. The league would lose all credibility. It, if you want to talk about money, they would lose billions of dollars. There's no person who says, "All right, we got Burrow Mahomes. Let's rig this thing. Let's we have a system in place." whereby we will get to our officials and if it's close late, just do some crazy stuff and just give them some extra chances because we certainly would never want Joe Burrow and that crew in the Super Bowl. Burrow, who's completely uh, unlikable, not friendly for social media, never has a cool quote to say, isn't a very good player. Let's definitely keep him out of the Super Bowl because there's no content there. There's no dollars to be made off Joe Burrow. Let's keep him out. Yeah, let's put the Chiefs in again for the third time in the last five years for another shot at this thing. Let's roll out the old same Andy Reid footage that we've done a thousand times. Come on, come on. If they were so inclined to rig it, don't you think they'd rather have the Bengals in? You think, you think they rigged it so that two brothers could play against each other or that Andy Reid could play against his old team? Come on. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, generally. I'm one of the sheeple, you might have me believe, but I don't believe it was rigged. Flynn, get in here. Am I missing something on this? 
don't don't placate me if I'm wrong and you're like, no, 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 no. The truth is out there. Tell me. I'll, I'll listen. No, you're 100% right. It, the officiating was bad, but it wasn't rigged. And the reasons for people thinking it are rigged are hysterical. The Kelsey angle, as much as you hate it, is hysterical. That's not going to draw <laughs> viewers to the Super Bowl. And the market, you're talking about them cooking up a conspiracy theory where they're going to make a team from Ohio lose to a team from Missouri. It, it's, <laughs> it's, it just doesn't, it doesn't check out. Now, listen, if, if they were going to get... Jets, Cowboys, or just something crazy like that, where, look, they're going to make 30% more profit and it's money. And at least I would listen to it. At least it's logical. But, like, no one is rigging it so that the, can, the Missouri team gets in over the Ohio team. We just can't get there. I, I'm sorry. I listen. I'm amused by them. But I, I can't get there. I just can't do it for them. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, sticking with that game, though, you said it last week. There would be an Eli Apple follow-up in oh, the yeah. show. He lost last night, also had what could have been a very costly penalty during all that officiating drama, and the Internet came calling. Eli Apple was not only trending, it was trending with Cancun. Plenty of memes <laughs> and gifs about the Bills players watching Eli get off the plane in Cancun. The Bills stayed mostly silent. Shaq Lawson went with a few crying, laughing emojis. Stefan Diggs threw up a couple of not-so-cryptic tweets, including, that's why I mind my business and just play the mm. creases. Most notably, Brittany Mahomes pouring salt in the wounds out of nowhere with mm. a Cancun on three peace emoji tweet. Kyle, did supervillain Eli Apple get what was coming to him in the end? Not much. He got a couple tweets. I, I was wondering if there might be more, you know, something on the field where some players go and find him after the game or something and make an example out of it. It was fine. You know, I, I, I still think sports need villains. He served it right. You have the quarterback's wife. You have the receiver who lost last time get his comeuppance. But it's not as if, like, Eli learned his lesson. It's not like next year he's not going to say anything. He'll be right back after it. The big winner here in all of this is not the Eagles and it is not the Chiefs. I think it's Cancun, Mexico. I, I've heard more about Cancun in the last two weeks than I have since like MTV Spring Break in the 90s. Do NFL players even go to Cancun? Like, I feel like it's a place my parents go now. I, I feel like Cabo is the more desirable thing or, or Tulum or one of these places. I don't think Eli Apple or Stefan Diggs are going to Cancun. What are they going to the Sandals Resort there? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't. Let's uh, move on and finish here. I know you spent your Saturday night watching the Royal Rumble, as did I. Yeah. Cody Rhodes, son of the American dream Dusty yeah. Rhodes, won it after entering at number 30. I stopped watching wrestling a long time ago. My two sons yeah. go in and out. Well, they'll watch it for a month or so and then take a couple months off. Uh, but I always watch the Royal Rumble. I think it's one of the best things WWE has ever done. What did you make of it? I'm so glad you asked. So I, the last time I watched the Royal Rumble, I'm not kidding, was I think 1991. And I was, it was that long ago. But I'm doing this thing where you have a night on the weekend and it's Saturday night and my wife was just, she wasn't, she was kind of tired. She's like, I'm just gonna make it an early night. So kind of on my own, the kids are asleep upstairs. I'm doing the Netflix scrolling and I had DVR. And then I look at social media and someone is hashtag Royal Rumble is about to start. I'm like, I'm gonna buy the bleeping Royal Rumble. I'm gonna watch Royal Rumble right now. Poured myself a giant fresh cocktail, turned it on just in time, and I loved it. I was like a kid again. I, I'm doing the three, two, one. Every 90 seconds they go to the dressing room, they hit the music. I didn't know who half the wrestlers were, but the ones that I did know, I was very excited to see. I was thrilled when Brock Lesnar came out. 
So I loved it. I think it is the, the most fun event. You know, the big four, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, and Royal Rumble, was what I cut my teeth on. And I've always just liked the idea of all these guys in the ring and that you gotta go over the top rope, not the middle rope. And they're clearly like kind of help, helping each other and not letting the person fall out, but they do a good job of selling it. I like a lot when the guys have been in the ring for a long time that like for a while, they'll just be like lying in the corner for like minutes on end just chilling and sometimes they're chilling together and kind of talking while two guys like kicking each other and um i haven't a lot of chops why is the most popular move in wrestling to hit someone in the chest with the back of your hand i used to see it back in the day and rick flair would do it but like i feel like at least half the moves on the wrestler to wrestler were just chops they just chopped to the chest chopped to the chest why not do it to the face? Why not pick them up and slam them? A lot of chops. And then my last take, and I, I'll hear yours, Flynn. I know you have them. Logan Paul was unbelievable. Unbelievable. If you hate him, I don't care. Comes out, looks amazing. He's got his prime drink and his leather and all that. And then he comes in, he's incredible physique, charismatic as hell. And he does this launching off the top rope I don't even know the name of the other wrestler. I'm sure you'll tell me, Flynn. But they launch off from opposing top ropes and do this massive clothesline. It looked like they were 50 feet in the air. It was like when Thor fought Captain America and it brought the house down. It was the coolest thing that happened in the entire, you know, hour long, whatever the hell it is, Royal Rumble. And um, I've said this before. I've worked with Logan Paul before. I did an event for DAZN and he was like my sidekick at some boxing match well, it wasn't some boxing match his brother was boxing and he was very nice to work with very courteous very professional very charismatic very fun i had a great time working with him and i know there's people who hate him and roll their eyes and just he's had some missteps in the past and fine i i've never had a better time working with somebody i, I thought he was awesome so i watched him walk in the ring i thought it was incredible I, i'm watching these guys who've done this thing 20 30 years None of them pulled off that move. Flynn, get in here. What did you think of the Rumble and what did you think of Logan Paul? The Logan Paul thing was amazing. I only really know Logan Paul through my kids because they see yeah. stuff on YouTube. They want to, they, for Christmas, they just ask for the prime drink. Uh, and he came in and they're like, oh, Logan Paul's back. And I was like, what do you mean back? Like, Logan Paul is not a wrestler, <laughs> is he? And they're like, no, he's really, really good. Like, just wait. And then he pulled that out. The other wrestler's name is Ricochet. And like, I yeah. saw him looking at each other and I was like, oh, they're going to do this. And I figured like, they're like gonna make the leap and like collide like close to the mat. They collided like up here. They were both like still on their way up and met so cool. in the middle. It was incredible. Uh, I wanna go back. I can't believe you haven't watched it since 1991. You and I come nope. from different er eras of wrestling yeah. fandom. I'm an attitude guy. You're, I don't know if you call it the pre-attitude era, but how did you go about, it fascinates me that you bought it like i just have whatever stream peacock whatever streaming yeah. service it was on but i know that when i wanted to watch the royal rumble we're talking 97 98 99 uh -huh. i had to talk my dad into going to nobody beats the whiz getting a cable box for the night and ordering yeah. the pay-per-view and hooking it up i remember it being a whole thing what before that what happened i think it was a number and you get to call the number <laughs> Uh, and you had to talk to someone on the phone. And we would have we had like a sleepover party. It was a big night and you'd have like four <laughs> friends and you'd have Little Caesars pizza and root beer. 
And if I remember right, I remember a picture, an image of my dad on the phone with like an operator standing by and then you have to like, I think maybe you give them the number on the back of your cable box and they're like, all right, we'll juice you up. And you give them your probably credit card or maybe it's on your cable bill. But there's that moment when you're sitting there and it's it runs the promo over and over and you're sitting there with your friends and your dad's on the phone and it goes like, and it changes and it's like Royal Rumble will begin in like 60 seconds. It was like Red Zone. And we just would scream. And then sure enough, it was like, it, the countdown stops at like three seconds and then you know the production element starts and then it goes and it's it's magic, man. And I, I mean, I remember I watched the one when Ric Flair won when he got in really early. I don't know if he was first, but he was certainly in like the top first five people in. It's a special event, I love it. And you know, Brooke, my wife came back down, she started watching it, she was kind of rolling her eyes, but she was captivated too. I love Royal Rumble, I thought it was awesome. I'm gonna watch it next year. It's great. I watch it every year. And like I said, I haven't watched wrestling regularly yeah. since as a kid, the Attitude Era, but it's great. It's still great. It's great that they ha not only have a women's one, but have an entire yeah. roster stocked to have a women's one. <laughs> uh, incredible event. It was great. It really was. And then we ended the weekend by seeing uh, Brock Purdy and Joe Burrow get thrown over the top rope and they're gone. Yep. And Eli Apple was there with them. Uh, Flynn, I'm glad we see eye to eye on that. I'm already looking forward to next year's post-Royal Rumble Kyle Brandt's Basement Show, and uh, we'll be here for it. I'm going to throw a dart. I'm going to go. Flynn, we'll see you tomorrow. Can't wait. I'm going to Vegas. We'll figure something out. I know you'll be all over it. I'll be in touch. Let's go to the Sky Cam, because we got to finish this up. i got to start packing for Las Vegas. Uh, and our dart today lands on space number by the way look at that birthday balloon that's for my son's birthday on december 3rd that thing's still floating in the sky space number i can never tell that will be an 11 guys topic number 11 sports fans which will be were you a good student yeah pretty good in high school um in high school i was i was good and I did well on my tests and stuff like that, all those exams. In college, I didn't really care. Um, you know, look, nothing says you don't really care more than being an English major, which is what I was. So um, yeah, in, in, in my version of being a good student became in college, did you go to class? And a lot of times I didn't. <laughs> I had a lot of GoldenEye to play. And, and I, I look back and I'm like, what an idiot. You're at this great college, you could have just gone there, heard from some of these renowned university professors and these great lecture halls about these timeless works of literature. And I'm sitting there playing NCAA football, running around with T. Martin in, in my PlayStation 1. Stupid. What an idiot. But I graduated, and in college, that's all I cared about. I wasn't someone who was trying to get a job on Wall Street or didn't really care about my transcript. But got through college, graduated. Uh, not a good student then, I would think. Just passable. That's it. I'm a student of the game now, and I'm a student of the audience of Cover and Space, which I always appreciate. And uh, that's it. I'm going to Parts Unknown uh, tomorrow, so we will figure this out. We don't know when Josh is coming back. I think he will come back. We miss him. We have a lot to catch up on. I know he's getting his practice strokes in for Pebble. And uh, I'm going to get my practice strokes in for Las Vegas. Miss you guys. Love you. Exit through the garage. Close the door on your way out. Thanks for visiting the basement. Bye, guys.